right, good morning, Rimrock Church. Welcome back inside. <laughs> it's great to see all of you guys to get to actually talk to more of you um, and uh, just be a little bit closer. We are excited to be here and uh, excited to worship. And um, yeah, so join us as we praise our King this morning.
father. He's a good father. I was thinking about a verse um, in Isaiah that says, or God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so it's true that he is a good, good father, but his good sometimes looks different than what we expect or what we think. And it's important as we sing this and as we worship him for this, that we recognize it's not about our ways, but he is perfect in all of his ways. He is good. We need to be surrendered. We need to come under his authority and trust his ways are higher than our ways.
this ways. You guys can have a seat. Katie. Um, super nervous, very sweaty, so I'm going to try to get through this pretty quick, um, but we have a few announcements this morning. Um, my name is Katie Nubelsek. My family and I have been attending Rimrock for about 12 years, um, and I've just taken on a new role, a couple new roles actually. Um, I'm now working in the office as an administrative assistant, so if you call during the week, I might be one of the people that answers the phone may or may not be able to help you, depending on the situation, um, but I'm happy to uh, be serving the church in that way now. I also have taken on women's ministry. We've had um, a little bit of an absence in that, and so I'm really excited to get that started again this fall, and wanted to tell you women of an opportunity that's actually starting this week. Um, Jill Green and I are gonna be leading a Bible study on Tuesday morning, so it starts two days from now. Tuesday mornings from 9 to 11 up here at the main campus. Um, the Bible study is a Jen Wilkin Bible study. It's called Better, um, and it's a, a walk through the book of Hebrews. Um, we would love to have you join us for that. There's more information on the back of your bulletin, and there's actually a link um, that you can go to to register for that class as well. Um, and if you don't register, totally fine. You can still come. But we are offering childcare. So if you are a stay-at-home mom or you're a mom that works from home and you know you need out of the house um, this or once a week, uh, we do offer childcare. So if you could go to that link to register just so we know and we can plan for your kids. But if you're like me, sometimes you get to Monday evening or Tuesday morning um, and you've forgotten to register, please just still come. We would love to have you. So that's starting this Tuesday. If you can't make it this Tuesday, come next Tuesday. It's an open Bible study and we just would love to have you there. Um, a couple other things. It's kind of an exciting week this week. It's fall kickoff for our small community groups. That starts today. There is a um, handout in your bulletin that has all of the community groups that are offered. Um, Sunday morning ones start now at 9 a.m. None of you are in any of those classes right now, but if you see one that you would like to attend, um, Hannah will not be offended if you just get up and go to that class. Um, my husband and I are involved in Boomer's class, the parenting class we have been for several years. And if you've never taken, um, or if you've never been in a small group with Boomer Roland, um, it's a treat. We would love to have you there with us. Um, if you can't make it this Sunday, if you choose not to go this Sunday, they're open small groups. They'll be open all year. You can go next week as well. Um, and then Wednesday night, um, we're kicking off our uh, small communities that night as well. Every Wednesday night from 5.30 to 6.15, there is dinner served. So that's one last or one thing off your checklist during the week. Um, this week we'll be starting at 5.30 downstairs. Um, I think it's hot dogs and hamburgers. Yeah, I think in the bulletin it says barbecue. To me in South Dakota, that's grilling. Barbecue is something else, um, but it'll be hamburgers and hot dogs at 5.30, and then at 6.30, um, kids nursery through high school can go off to um, their classes, and then adults, we're going to head down to the meadow for a short time of worship, and also Boomer and Josh will be um, explaining what they're going to be doing with the kids in their groups, and then we'll also hear from all of the leaders of the small community groups. And those groups, again, those are open all year. So if you can't make it this Wednesday, but you can make it another Wednesday, you can join at any time. Wednesdays are an awesome way to get involved. 
um, in groups and connect more with people at Rimrock. Um, and then there's one more group that I wanted to highlight. That is the Shadowlands Grief Recovery Group. Um, this is a new class to Rimrock, and we're actually offering it at two different times. Um, Wednesday evenings, we'll start, well, this week we'll hear about it, and officially we'll start with the next week after that. And then they'll also offer another group on Sunday mornings starting in October. So that's the Shadowlands um, Grief Recovery Group. There is more information on that in the bulletin. Um, but you can also stop um, Jeannie or Michelle Westvig and talk to them more as well. Um, I think I got it covered. Okay, good. Would you pray with me, please, this morning? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another day. Thank you for your presence with us, for your sovereignty over today and every other day. Um, I just pray for all who are gathered here this morning that you may draw us closer to you and that we hear what you have to say. In your name, amen.
about the people of God coming together. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I am there. And so we believe God is here with us and he's drawing us and reminding us that he is the vine, right? We draw life from him. As believers, there are certain spiritual disciplines and practices that we we do that we're invited into to, to draw and to hear from God, to know God, to be in relationship with Jesus. We do prayer and fasting, Bible reading on our own, but, but there's corporate disciplines. There's things that we do together as Christians that are really important, and one of them is communion. And we're going to do that right now, um, and I'm going to invite the, the servers to come up, the elders and the servers to come on up, and we're going to start passing this out, and we're going we're to sing another song, but last week as we conclude Mark chapter 10 this morning, last week Pastor Boomer shared and uh, if you weren't there, if you haven't listened, I encourage you to go back and listen as, as Pastor Boomer shared the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus, and what he has done for us, what he accomplished for us. And the, the passage Boomer preached on, the, the disciples were amazed because they said, how is it possible? Who can ever be saved? Who could ever be saved? And Jesus answered that question, and he said, it's impossible for man but it's not impossible for God. All things are possible for God. And that's the good news for us today. That's why we're here, to be reminded of this reality that God has made possible. And so the question of how is it possible, Jesus tells us. He tells us in Mark chapter 10, verse 33, that we are going up to Jerusalem, he said, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and they will spit on him and they will flog him and they will kill him and three days later he will rise. And so we're going to invite the servers and they're going to pass out uh, bread and some uh, juice and I want you to hold on to that. And, and by the way, this is something for believers who've, who've put their faith in Jesus. And so if you haven't trusted Jesus, today could be the day <laughs> you can put your trust in him and he can save you. But this is something for those who've, who've put their trust, their faith in Jesus. So I'm going to have the elders come on up. We're going to start distributing. Hold on to that bread and that cup, and then uh, we'll come and take it all together um, as we worship him.
Jesus, every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. And Jesus, we praise you. We thank you, Jesus, that you're a God beyond us, glorious, but so loving, so good that you sacrificed your very life. You shed your very blood. Your body was broken so that we could be made whole, so that we could be healed, so we could be forgiven. Oh, we praise you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. You are so good and so worthy of our praise. We're going to take this bread, and Jesus said to do this in remembrance of him, to take and eat. He said, this is my body broken for you. Let's take and eat this. And Jesus after the meal and eating the bread, he told his disciples, his followers, he said, take the cup and drink it because this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant poured out for you. Let's take and drink and remember. Praise his name. You may be seated. I think it's so important that we uh, remembered the body and the blood of Christ, the sacrifice of Christ. As we finish Mark 10, Mark 10 is a, is a, a beautiful chapter of the Bible. I, I didn't realize how beautiful, how deep it was until uh, we've been diving into this series, going through the gospel of Mark, and right in the middle of chapter 10 is Jesus telling us the purpose, the how of salvation, the hope of our salvation, the salvation of the world. And so, so thankful that we have that hope. As we dive into the rest of chapter 10, we're going to understand why this is so significant, why this is so profound, and why it's so important that we uh, remember uh, with communion. 
Uh, by the way, have you noticed some changes in here? As we've been outside all summer, some people have been working hard in here. Um, I am so thankful for uh, the body of Christ. Um, there are so many people who are part of uh, Rimrock Church who don't, don't just aren't part of the church to receive. They're here to give, and they serve in so many ways. I, I want to uh, recognize Hannah and Tom did a ton of work up here on the stage. Uh, Josh Schmidt and Dave Long. I don't know, is Dave... Dave Long here. Dave Long, yeah, thank you, Dave. He spent many, many hours in here uh, serving. And Troy and Ken, thank you guys so much for, for your service. So um, one of the beauties, and this ties into our passage today, is Jesus taught us the way of service. And um, there's just something uh, so beautiful, so um, that points to who God is in service, as people serve as we give of ourselves for the benefit of others. And I'm so thankful that, uh, that there are so many servants in our body of Christ. Before we read, um, actually, let's, let's go ahead and dive into to chapter 10 of Mark. So if you open your Bibles, we're going to we're going to uh, have it up on the screens. I'm going to be reading out of the New, America, New uh, International Version. Um, but uh, we're going to be in chapter 10, verse 35 through 52. Um, later in the service, we'll, we'll stand when we read uh, another portion of God's word. But for now, um, uh, you can sit as we, as we read these words. In verse 35, then James and John... The sons of Zebedee, remember, these are the, the guys who are called the sons of thunder. <laughs> and Jesus called them to be his disciples. They were fishermen, uh, sons of fishermen. They came to him and they said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Are there any parents here? <laughs> Have you ever had kids approach you that way? <laughs> Give us whatever we want. You know, if we're, if we're honest, we always have that tendency to kind of approach God that way, don't we? If we're honest, like, God, um, would you just do for us what we want? I, I, I love what Hannah shared earlier, right? Like, God's ways, not our ways. But, but how, and Nick brought this up a few weeks, a month ago or so, saying, if we think we're at the center of it all, and then we just invite Jesus to come and be part of our life, Nick asked the question, who's God then? Who's God, right? And so Jesus, uh, I love how he responds, verse 36, what do you want me to do for you? Now, underline that want, that, that's a major theme throughout the rest of this chapter. What do you want, desire, our needs, our wants, Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And they replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, Jesus said. Can you drink the cup that I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? We can, they answered. And Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and you will be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. And when the ten heard about this, they became indignant, upset with James and John. And Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man named Bartimaeus, which means son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. And they heard, when he heard that it was Jesus, or, or I'm sorry, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Notice the question. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, Jesus said. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. I think these two accounts are deeply tied together, and they're tied to the earlier accounts of the rich young ruler and Jesus inviting the kids. There's a theme here that's profound. It's deep. So I've never been blind um, completely. I, there might be some of you who have experienced blindness. Uh, maybe some of you have experienced loss of senses, hearing. I know I got COVID, and I lost uh, my smell and taste for a long time. I think some of you are still struggling with that. And so we depend on our senses. We need them for life. And even though I haven't been completely blind, I have experienced um, some blindness. When I was in high school, my, uh, my senior year, I had a, a, a terrible fall. I won't go into all the details of what happened, but, but I hit my head really hard on some cement stairs, and uh, it knocked me out. And, um, and I, had some, uh, I had some effects from that severe concussion. But I recovered, and my first year of college, um, I was in my dorm room, and I, I hit the back of my head. And, um, and I had an extreme reaction where I, I lost my sight, and my world started getting really dark, and I could just barely, barely make things out. And uh, it was a horrible feeling. It was a terrible feeling to lose your eyesight. And, uh, and so I, uh, I found uh, my roommate, and, uh, and I said, I need, I need help. I need to go to the, the doctor. And I didn't have a car, so he went and got a, another friend, um, and uh, he was going to take me to the, the hospital. And, um, and I, it was so bad, I, they actually had to hold me by the hand and lead me out of, uh, we were on this 16th story of a building, so they had to lead me out. And uh, and they were leading me across uh, the plaza at our, our college, uh, leading me by the hand, and, um, and I was very distraught. <laughs> As you can imagine, I'm thinking, my life is ruined. I've lost my eyesight. And, um, and uh, a man, uh, uh, another student there, his name was Mike Euler, um, walked up to me, and he put his hands on me, and he didn't know what was going on. All he saw was me being led by the hand, across the plaza. He didn't know what was happening. But he began to pray, uh, just out of the blue. And, and something extraordinary happened in that moment. I, I can't explain it, but I believe it was the power of God showed up in a way that was miraculous. Because at that moment, he touched me and began to pray 
uh, a power surge went through my body. It was like getting hit by a lightning bolt. I could feel the power from the top of my head to my toes, and everything in me just reverberated with power. I'd, I've never experienced anything quite like it since. Uh, it was unexpected, out of the blue, but instantly I could see. Wow. <laughs> and uh, what do you do in that situation? <laughs> right? Praise God, right? <laughs> and I began to praise God, and we began to praise God. It was like, like, w- when does that happen? How does that happen? What, what is that? And, and we felt the presence of God, the power of God, in a way that I, ha- I haven't experienced since, but it was miraculous. Uh, they, they ended up taking me to the doctor, and I shared the gospel with the doctor, and I began to tell him that God had healed me. He, he was a little skeptical, <laughs> but, but I can see. Uh, I could see. I, could, I knew for a moment I couldn't, but then I could see. Why do, I, why do I share that story? Because looking back, that was, that was a long time ago, but looking back to that year, I realized God was after something else. He wasn't, he, I think just like blind Bartimaeus, I think Jesus really cared about his blindness, and I think Jesus really cared about me, but he cared about me more than just my eyesight. And I think he cares more about blind Bartimaeus more than his eyesight, and he cares about his disciples, and he cares about you more than just our physical well-being. He, he cares about that. <laughs> he made our eyes, he made our ears, he made our bodies, and they're good. But we will we'll all die physically one day. There's something deeper that he's after. And if, if I think back to that year, God was doing something in me. He was changing my heart. He was dealing with my sin. He was dealing with things in my life that were, were out of control, things that, that, that I had in a sense, rejected God in areas of my life leading up to that year. And God was revealing to me the gospel. He was revealing me to a purpose. He was calling me to be his disciple, to be his follower, to yield my heart, my life to him. And if I think about that year, and I have a lot of stories from that year. That was just one thing that happened. But it was the pursuit of God in my life. And a lot of you know what I'm talking about. You have been pursued by God in unique ways, different ways, But Jesus has loved you and he's pursued you and he's called you to himself to be his disciple, to be his follower. And I think there's something really beautiful in these stories here. God is after our hearts. He's after the transformation of our being. He cares about all of us, not just our bodies, but every aspect of who we are. And so when he asks the question, what do you want me to do for you? It goes way deeper than just the surface need. (laughs) He's after something. He wants to do something good in us. He wants to transform us and to make us into new kinds of people, people that we are created to be in his image. And so here's the question for this morning. What are the desires of our hearts? What are your desires? What are my desires? Like, Like, this is a deep question to really do an inventory of our desires. What do we want? (laughs) What are we looking for in this life? I love what C.S. Lewis says. It seems that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are too easily 
pleased. What do you think about that? So C.S. Lewis says the issue that God is driving at is not that it's wrong to have desires, but our desires are too weak. (laughs) They're on too small of things (laughs) that there's something bigger that we were created for, something greater than ourselves that God is after, that he wants to give us. There's a joy (laughs) that he's wanting to pour into our lives, but we can't see it. Now, here's the the irony of the story. Bartimaeus is blind physically, but the irony of the story is he can see something that the disciples can't see, and then if we go back to the rich young ruler that the rich young ruler couldn't see. Because on the outside, the rich young ruler had it all together, right? He had money, he had prestige, he had a high position. On the outside, the disciples are thinking, this man is blessed. This is a good man. He's got it all together. And if with their physical eyes, if they had seen Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, they would have said, that man, he has nothing going for him. Hannah said, God's way is not our ways. God's judgment's not our judgment. His measure is not our measure. Blind Bartimaeus saw something that the rich man ruled. What did, what did the blind Bartimaeus see? Not with physical eyes, but with spiritual eyes. What did he see? He heard that Jesus was coming, and what did he shout? He said, Jesus, son of David. How did, how did the rich man come to Jesus? He came and said, good teacher. And he said, look at all the good things I've done. And so in the, in the rich man's world, Jesus was small. He was only a, a teacher. In Bartimaeus' world, he understood that Jesus was the Messiah, the promised son of David, the king of kings, the Lord of lords. Bartimaeus saw Jesus for who he was. He knew that Jesus had power and that he was great. He knew he was in the presence of greatness. The rich ruler did not see that. The rich young ruler was blind to who Jesus was. But Bartimaeus saw it. And he shouted. (laughs) He said, Jesus, you're the son of David. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the savior of the world. And what does he say? Have mercy on me. What What else did he see? He saw his need. He saw his need. He saw that he didn't have it all together. (laughs) He knew he didn't have the answer, not only to his blindness, but to a lot of things in life. He realized, like Jesus said, that the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like children, who see their need. This is the great mystery that Jesus said that to enter the kingdom of God, we we don't come with our resume. We we come with our need (laughs) because we're not God. What else does blind Bartimaeus see? When Jesus called him, he heard the voice of Jesus. And what does it say? He jumped up and he threw his cloak aside. Now, I've never been a beggar on the street, but I can imagine that cloak was pretty special to him, important to him. Like, that's all he had. (laughs) Like, that's what he kept warm with at night. That's what he covered himself with when the storms came and when things came. What, What did he have? Only thing he had was a cloak. But when he hears Jesus, what does he do? He throws it aside. What what about the rich young ruler when Jesus said, come, follow me. The The only thing you lack is to leave behind all these other things that you desire. Leave them aside. Come to me. And what does it say? The rich young ruler went away sad 
But Bartimaeus, he says, I found something greater. I found something more, better. And he threw it aside, and it says, he followed Jesus. Now, in the rich and ruler, we see sadness. What do we see in Bartimaeus? Joy. (laughs) You see, here's the great lie of Satan that if we leave everything behind to follow Jesus, if we, if, we, if we see him as our greatest desire, then somehow we will be left poor or worse off. Oh, just the opposite. <laughs> if we come to Jesus, we will be so much better off than we could ever ask or imagine. That's the, uh, that's the invitation. I love what John Piper says. If you, do, if you don't have or you don't feel strong desires for the manifestation of God's glory... It's not because you have drunk um, deeply and are satisfied, but it's because you have nibbled so long at the table of the world that your soul is stuffed with small things. Small things. And there's no room for the great. So what do you want? What do I want? You know, through all the Gospels, there's this argument between the disciples about who's going to be the greatest, right? <laughs> and if I had a secret recording device and I can go into your homes, I bet there's some arguments about who's the best, <laughs> who's the greatest, <laughs> right? If I went to your schools, I bet there's some arguments about who's the best into your sports teams. Like, like this is getting to deep into who we are as human beings. We, we want to be good. We want to be the best. We want to be great, right? We, we have these terms like goat, right? <laughs> the greatest. We want to be the greatest. It's interesting. Jesus doesn't rebuke his disciples over wanting greatness or glory. I think God puts that in us. But I think the issue is what do we settle for, for greatness? What is true greatness? And what, what do we do with our desire for that? What do we do with our, our, our desire for that? It's interesting that the, the other disciples are angry in verse 41. They're indignant when they hear about James and John's request, right? <laughs> so what makes us angry a lot of times reveals what we desire, what we want, what we love. So it's not that anger is always the issue. It, it points to a deeper issue, right? Like we want things. We desire different things. We love certain things. And those aren't necessarily bad things, but, but we get upset when those things are taken away or, or messed with or challenged. And so the disciples, and, and here's where, this is why I told you that story about being healed. Like, like Jesus heals Bartimaeus, but he's after something else. And this discussion with the disciples in verse 35 through gets to what Jesus is really after. Like, this is why Jesus went to the cross. This is why he rises again. This is what's wrong with our world that Jesus wants to transform. (laughs) He wants to transform us. He wants to change our world, and he wants to do it through people and our hearts and what we desire. So the discipleship issue of following Jesus has to do with our desires. It has to do with our loves, our wants, and so the disciples said, Jesus, do for, do for us whatever we want, <laughs> whatever we desire, <laughs> right? And so, so we think, okay, I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to be the best, I'm going to do the best that I can, and then I'm just going to invite Jesus in to help me 
do what I'm after, <laughs> to, to get on my agenda, to get on my train, to get on my purpose. But Jesus flips it around <laughs> for the disciples, and I, and I know that first year in college, Jesus was flipping it around for me. He had to challenge me. He had to confront me on some things because he was exposing some desires, some things in my heart that weren't from him. And he needed to, he needed to show me that this, world, this life wasn't about Ben. <laughs> it wasn't about me, that there's a God who's bigger. Remember we saying, behold our God. We are so small and he is so great. And I had to realize I had to come to the end of myself. And that's, that's what Jesus is talking about when he flips it for the disciples and says, you will drink a cup and you will be baptized. Like, you will have to die in so many ways to yourself. We just celebrated baptism and that's a, that's a declaration. We're saying we have died and we no longer live, but Christ lives in me. We're, we're saying that our lives on our own are insufficient. We are not able. We see our need. We need God to save us. We need him to give us life, that we can't achieve life on our own. We can't achieve greatness. We can't achieve our desires in our own strength. We need him. He says, you will be baptized. You will drink the cup. And every disciple of Jesus of Christ will have to go through that. But it's not to destroy us. <laughs> it's to save us. It's to deliver us. It's to get into our hearts. So there's a contrast here. The world says we achieve our wants and our desires apart from God on our own. And so we seek to be first through our own effort, through our own strength. Jesus says exercise authority over. So we try to make it happen. Boomer talked last week about picking ourselves up by the bootstraps. My way, my truth, things like mandates, you better do this or else. We use our own strength, our own power for our own gain. We seek to be first. That's the way of the world. And it has lots of titles. It shows up in religion and politics and business and education. It shows up in every arena of life. But Jesus says, that's the way of the world. That's the way of a world apart from me, apart from God. That's the rebellion of mankind against God. But Jesus says, but not you. Verse 43, 43 not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And so what's, what's Jesus' kingdom way? To seek to be last by becoming a servant. God's way, God's truth. It's an invitation to God's kingdom and righteousness first. <laughs> Above our own needs, our own wants, our own desires. It's about him. And it's about exercising authority for a greater purpose. Power used for the benefit of others and not for ourselves. And so God uses his power to bring blessing to the world. And he invites us to do the same. This is a completely upside down way. <laughs> this is foreign to our natural selfish selves. He confronts that. Today, um, you know the date today is 9-11. And uh, I think everyone who was alive 21 years ago remembers that day. I remember it. It wasn't, it was about this time of the day when we saw uh, the World Trade Centers under attack, the Pentagon. We saw those airplanes. And um, 
I was thinking about that uh, this week, and, and I've thought a lot about that day because it, it was such a trauma for, for our nation, for, for all of us. But there was a real contrast on that day. There was, there was a force at work that I think Jesus is addressing in this passage about desire and about greatness. You see, those, those terrorists had an idea about greatness in their minds. They were convinced that greatness would come about through terror, destruction, violence, force. And we know how horrible that is. But that day, there was another force at work. And one of the stories, there, there were so many stories that, that impacted me, but, but one of the images that has stuck with me in the descriptions is on those towers, there were staircases, and there were people coming down those staircases, escaping the, the fire and the destruction. But as they described that scene of going down the staircases in the dark and the fear and all that, they were only on one side going down. On the other side, there were people going up. And they were the firefighters and the police officers and the paramedics going up. <laughs> Think about that. Like, those people knew they might not be alive at the end of that day. But what were they doing? They were, they were going up to the danger. They were going to rescue. And there were people that day who were rescued by people who were willing to sacrifice their lives for others. Think about that. What a contrast. That, that, that's, that's what Jesus is describing here. <laughs> there's, there's forces at work in our world. And, and it's not just in religion. It's not just in church. Like God, the kingdom of God, Jesus says, like a dragnet going throughout history. Now, now we come to church because we want to learn and we want to be transformed and God is changing us, but it has implications into every area of our lives. I want you to think about this because I, I could give so many stories of missionaries and pastors and, and people who, who've lived this out, but, but I want to I go into a different arena to understand the power of what Jesus is after, why he went to the cross, why he rose again, is not just only to save our souls from eternity and hell, but also to begin to bring salvation to all things, to all of creation, every arena of life that God has made. He wants to redeem, he wants to save, and he's beginning now. And it will be completed again when he returns. There's a day coming when he will ride again on a horse through the clouds and he will call his people to his own and he will rule over this world in glory and power. But until that day, there's signposts. There's signs of the kingdom of God at hand. So one of the people that I think embodied this was a man named George Washington. You ever heard of George Washington? <laughs> First president of our country. Something extraordinary happened. I, I love history. <laughs> And you could read a lot about different rulers, a lot of different governments, a lot of powers in the world, but, but something extraordinary happened with George Washington. We, we don't know a lot about his personal faith, but what we do know is he was committed to the local church. He went to the church um, as often as he could, and we know he was a Bible reader, and he read the scriptures. He was devoted to the scriptures. But the, the strongest evidence I see in his life that has blessed me and has blessed us and has blessed our nation is that two times in his life he was given the opportunity um, to stay in charge, to take power. When he was the commander of the army, they said, you can be general for life. And he said, no. 
There's a greater good beyond myself. Who does that? And then when he was elected to be the first president, they said, you could be president for life. And he said, no. Who does that? Who gives up power? We don't see that very often. But there was something in George. There was a power in his life where he saw a greater good beyond himself. And we are blessed today because of that. Just like we are blessed by policemen and firefighters who see a greater good, teachers who see a greater good. We, say, we call them public servants. And Jesus says, and by the way, this was foreign to the world until Jesus came. Jesus is, is flipping it upside down because you can read him in history. No one does this. Like, like the world in history, people always celebrate strong men, powerful people who try to take control, take power, and say, my way. But Jesus says, not you. Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Jesus is helping us see. You see, we're blind to this, but Jesus is helping us see another glory, another greatness, another way. And he had to intervene in human history. He had to break into human history and show us there's another way. There's another way. And it's not through force or authority over others, but it's through sacrifice. And Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And so Jesus doesn't say, do this. He says, I will show you. I will make this possible. I will do this for you. I will love and I will sacrifice. That's why we celebrate communion. I will give my very body, my very blood, so that you can be blessed. And if you're blessed today as an American, if you're blessed in any way in your life, it's because someone sacrificed for you. First Jesus, but there were other people who sacrificed for you. Because Jesus initiated something in our world that turns it all upside down. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up as we finish. And I want to close with Philippians chapter 2. Because Jesus was after the disciples' hearts. He's after my heart. He's after your heart. He wants to change us in our marriages, in our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, in sports, in your, your kids' sports. In every arena, this applies we're learning the way of Jesus, Philippians chapter 2, then make my joy complete. This isn't to make us miserable. <laughs> Jesus isn't saying this to, to take away. He wants to give to us. He wants to give us joy like blind Bartimaeus, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so the disciples, they're struggling about, I want to be the greatest. I want the glory. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, this is the arena where the kingdom of God breaks out and begins to transform our hearts. And our relationships have the same mindset of Jesus Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. He didn't use power or strength for his own good. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So praise his name. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That's true greatness. This is what we were created for, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God.
the glory of God the Father.
make sure to show up Wednesday night for dinner and get plugged in with community groups. We'll see you guys next week.